great. Good morning. Good morning. How are we doing? Are we excited about being here? Hopefully you are. Thank you for those who are visiting us for the first time, those who are watching online. This is our Missions Focus Sunday, and we get to focus on the nations this morning. We started to speaking about our neighborhoods last Sunday, uh, but today we get to focus on the nations. And uh, as we saw this video, we desire to respond as West Cabarrus Church to what we call the unreached and unengaged people groups of the world. And uh, that population of people are people who have little or no access to the gospel. And um, as a church, uh, we desire to be part. We desire to take the gospel to them. Uh, two years ago, we had the opportunity of going with a group of seven people from West Cabarrus Church to North Africa. Uh, we had a great week. We had the opportunity of presenting the gospel to many people um, and uh, got to serve with three different couples, uh, workers that are uh, reaching a uh, specific population called the Atlas Berber population. That population has um, uh, about four and a half million people and uh, little to no access to the gospel. And so uh, one of the couples that we had the opportunity of ministering with uh, has been translating the New Testament for 18 years. Um, in the past, they did some translation about the major stories of the Old Testament, but this couple has focused on translating uh, the New Testament in Tamasic, which is uh, uh, the Berber language. Um, and as a church, we desire to take part in allowing uh, them to finish that project, but also uh, distributing uh, New Testaments to the people uh, of North Africa, to the Berber people, and the gospel to be communicated. Uh, and so we're praying to be able to raise $3,000 that will allow them to be able to finish that project. And so anything that was is given financially last week for missions, and everything that is given this week for missions financially, will go straight to that project. Uh, we, I know Pastor Ryan has the desire of not only helping there, but also different parts of the world with translation. And so we're excited about seeing that happen. But also we uh, have started a small project. It's called the Atlas Project. Um, with the team that traveled two years ago, we visited different towns and cities um, in that country of North Africa. And uh, there was one city in particular. Uh, we had lunch there. By the way, the pizza was great. Uh, but uh, uh, we, we, we just stopped for lunch. And it was a beautiful little town. It was, um, it looked like a ski resort town. The population of that city is about 40,000. And so I started to ask some questions to the workers that were there. I said, are there any believers that live here? And they said, we don't believe so. I said, has, has any workers gone there to, 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 to be able to spread the gospel and see churches planted? And they said, no, we don't believe so. And so after that trip, I came back. I spoke to Pastor Ryan. I said, Ryan, is it? Can we do something? Can we pray that God may start a church planting movement in that city? And so we're praying that God may mobilize somebody, be it from the U.S. or Latin America, to that city. Um, we're also wanting to uh, not only pray but also give to be able to support that family. And uh, I'm also working on trying to, to uh, have a network of churches in our area that might not be directly involved with the unreached to, to pray with us. To, to give financially, but also to send a team of you. And so I ask you to pray as God allows us to see open doors and uh, be involved uh, with the unreached. It's exciting to see what God is doing around the world. And we have to be involved. We need to take part and respond. 
you have your Bibles this morning, please open with me to the book of Luke. Um, if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles to give you. Uh, maybe you, get, you can just uh, look, look on somebody that's next to you. But if you have your Bibles, please open to Luke chapter 5. This is the passage that we want to um, uh, teach about this morning, learn from, uh, especially when it has to do with missions. It says, verse 1, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is another word for the Sea of Galilee. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's. He asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we don't know who is sitting here in this auditorium or who's watching online, but you do. We ask you, Lord, to use your word this morning. May your spirit touch our lives in such a way that as we walk out of this building, we disconnect, that we can be transformed by you. We desire to have your heart, your eyes, as we live in a world that needs you. Speak to us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I personally love this passage. You might have already read it many times or heard about it. But what we find here truly is Jesus Christ teaching us the importance of what the mission is all about. Um, Christopher Wright in his book, The Mission of God, speaking about what is living a life on mission or what the mission consists of, says these words. He says, mission has to do with the redemptive work of God and our participation in making it known and leading people into the experience of it. This is what we find here in Luke chapter 5 with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ could have done everything by himself. <laughs> he had the power to do that, but he didn't choose to. No, he chose to look upon sinful men's lives call them out, and use them so the process of multiplication could occur. God has not called us to add, subtract, divide. No, no, God has called us to multiply. So the question I have to ask myself this morning is, is God using my life for that multiplication? Could I see the Spirit of God, God himself, use me? Or using me in my neighborhoods and to the nations to be part of this wonderful process 
of multiplication. Jesus Christ had begun his ministry. And so now he needed to choose men that would accompany him in being witnesses of his greatness and also to be witnesses to the fulfillment of the scriptures. So what we find here in this passage is Jesus' continual process of multiplication through the lives of those who would follow him. So we see in this chapter 5 the call to Andrew, to James, to John, but specifically to Peter. And what an amazing event in the life of Peter as he was face-to-face with the Savior, with the one who would transform his life, but also the one who would use him to impact the world. And as we heard through Bobby in the testimony this morning, this is what God wants to do. He wants to show us personally that his power should overwhelm us to allow us to see with our own eyes what he has prepared for us. Does that get you excited? I hope it does. Now, what do we see through this passage? Well, first of all, what we see is Jesus' active priority of drawing many people to himself. This miracle is interesting because uh, we find that that Peter and the fishermen caught an enormous amount of fish. It says, as we read in verse 6, they they enclosed a large number of fish. This is important. It's interesting to note that this phrase, large number, or um, uh, a multitude of fish, in the Greek is the word plethos. Now, the writer of this gospel, the gospel of Luke, is the same author of the book of Acts. And it's interesting that Luke uses this word 12 times in the book of Acts, the word plethos, to, to explain the impact of the gospel in the empire. And how the gospel was, was, was growing and it was transforming people's lives. We find in, in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, these words. Now the full number, plethos, of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. Acts chapter 5, verse 14, it says, And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. A multitude of people. As we think about Jesus Christ's ministry, we must understand that his priority, when we speak about his ministry, was not to heal the sick, was not to give sight to those who could not see, was not to feed the hungry. He did those things. But those things accompanied his message. We find in scripture that his purpose through his ministry was to teach and preach the kingdom of God. Now we understand that the main objective of why Jesus came to earth was to die for our sin. Was to be buried and and rise three days later. But when we think about his ministry and observe his ministry, his, his main focus was the teaching and preaching of God's kingdom. The kingdom of heaven had come. And so Jesus Christ himself in chapter 4, verse 43, says these words. He said, but he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns. Of course, people were amazed. They were, in, they were dazed as, as they heard the words of grace that would come out of the words of Jesus. These people were accustomed to listening to teachers. Uh, there was teachers and preachers in every corner. But the way Jesus spoke was different. We find in the Gospels that when people listened to Christ, um, the way he spoke was different because he spoke with authority. Of course, he was God. Jesus Christ established the fact that the true interpretation of the Old Testament scriptures was this. And when he spoke, what he was saying is that everything that comes out of my mouth also is inspired because I'm God. 
Jesus Christ established the fact that for his ministry, his true main focus was the preaching of the kingdom of God. This main focus has not changed. As we see Jesus Christ speaking to his disciples, ask them to go and preach the gospel, to go and make disciples. And so this is amazing. As we see the world, there are an enormous amount of people that have not heard the gospel. When I think about the more than 7,000 people groups around the world that have little or no access to the gospel, um, my heart breaks, your heart should break. When we think about more than 3.11 billion people that don't have the privilege that we have had, that, that don't have access the way we do to the word of God, to, to the, the message of the gospel, our hearts should break. Three years ago, I had the opportunity with somebody else who's a partner at West Cabarrus Church to go to Nepal and visit one of the, the couples that, uh, that we uh, hold the rope uh, for uh, in South Asia. And it was unbelievable. I've traveled all over Latin America, but to go to these countries, the first day we traveled 12 kilometers. We walked 12 kilometers to get to a town, and we, we, we visited a mosque, and we started talking to families. And, it, and, and to all the families, I asked them the same question. Have you ever heard this message? No, we haven't. Have you ever met or seen somebody who is a follower of Jesus? Never. <laughs> and I could not believe it. I said, Lord, forgive me, because instead of being focused of understanding that we also should pray, we should also give, but also participate in this part of the world, we haven't. Jesus Christ desires to teach us this morning that his active priority is still the same. His desire is to draw many to himself. And so we have this privilege so it doesn't matter where I work, it doesn't matter where I live, it doesn't matter what I do. If I understand that I'm called to do this, then I take Jesus' words and I communicate them. And the desire is for the Spirit of God to, to draw a multitude of people that can come and listen so they also may believe. The question is, am I participating with this? Is God using me to do this? Secondly, what we find here in this passage of Luke 5 is not only Jesus' active priority of drawing many to himself, but secondly, Jesus' active priority in seeing his followers go out in his authority. We see that Jesus encounters Peter, and Jesus decides to stand on Peter's boat. The multitude, it says here in verse 1, were pressing in on him. They, they wanted to hear his words, and so he needed help. He wanted to separate himself from the multitude so everyone could listen. So everyone could hear, and he decides to, to stand on Peter's boat. But it says here that Peter continued doing what he was doing. He was washing nets. Instead of maybe focusing on what Jesus was saying directly, he, he was doing the mundane and the monotonous. Now, the, the interesting part of this portion of the passage is that fishermen usually wash their nets when they catch fish. But the passage says they didn't catch anything. Fishermen wash their nets because the residue that fish leave um, harmed the nets or, or, or the rope. And so they wash the nets. But if you haven't caught anything, why are you going to wash the nets? Oh, because Peter always did what he always did. He was always involved in the mundane and the monotonous.
Now, doing something every day, every moment for a long period of time is not wrong. But doing it without a purpose or a reason is. And Peter was just simply living his life because he was a fisherman. But things were going to change. You see, Jesus Christ was going to encounter this man. The message that he was communicating was not only for the multitude, it was for Peter. And we tend to listen to God's word. We tend to to listen to messages that speak about the importance of of having a, a, a compassion for the world that's lost. Having a burden for those around us that don't know Christ. But it seems like that message is not for us. It seems that message is for somebody else. Somebody else. We continue to do the mundane and the, and the monotonous when Christ says, this message is for you. It's for me. And so Jesus Christ encounters the fact and he looks at Peter and he, and he says, Peter, I want you to go out to the deep. I want you, other translations say, to launch out to the deep. The word here in the Greek speaks about uh, putting out or returning. It was a word that was used as a nautical term, to take up a ship onto the high seas. The Lord Jesus Christ wanted more from Peter. He didn't want Peter simply to do things because he had to do them. He, Jesus Christ wanted Peter to understand that he had a greater purpose than that. But there he was, launching his nets. God's desire for us is to also launch our lives out. It's interesting that Jesus looks at Peter and he says, I want you to go to the deep. Now, was it uncomfortable for Peter? Yes. Why? Because they had been fishing all night. And that's what he tells the Lord. He says, Master, he uses the word captain there in the Greek. He says, we have been fishing all night. Do you want us to go back? Yes, Peter. I want you to go to the uncomfortable. I want you to do things that you might not like to do. Secondly, he said, Peter, I want you to go out to the deep, but Lord, you want us to go out? Yes, because I want you to experience the unusual. Peter says, Lord, listen, you might be a great teacher. You, you might be a good carpenter, but you're not a fisherman. We are professional. We know what, what, what it means to fish, and you don't fish during the day. You fish at night. Because during the day, the fish are asleep. They go to the deep and they sleep. And when the sun comes down and it's nightfall, they start swimming and they swim close to the coast and that's why we draw our nets and we fish it doesn't matter peter i'm asking you to go now i'm asking you to do the unusual because jesus knew that through the obedience of peter peter was going to experience something that he had never experienced before the amount of fish they never had ever caught so jesus wanted peter to experience truly the great work of the power of his hands. Peter was going to witness the unprecedented works of Christ. Is this your desire as you think about your walk with Christ? We've been going to the beach for many years with my wife. My wife loves the beach. And so every time we've seen a, parasa a parasail in the air, we'd, we'd look up and say, man, we're going to do that one day. And that week at the beach, we'd say, we're going to do it this week, but we never did. But last month, we went to Cancun with my wife to celebrate our 25th anniversary. By the way, I came back telling Pastor Ryan that we, we, we need to start a campus in Cancun. <laughs> we're going to call it West Cab Cancun. Actually, if anybody wants to sign up, please, you can do that this morning. No, I'm just kidding. It's a joke, okay? It's a joke. But we went to Cancun, and we saw a parasail, and I looked at Fernanda, and I said, 
now it's time. 25 years of marriage. We've we got to do this. And you guys will see a video. We did it. We went up there. Now, it was amazing. It was incredible. You might say, was it uncomfortable? Oh, you bet. There's Renanda. See her face? She's like worried, afraid, grabbing, you know, the, uh, everything she could uh, not to fall. It was amazing. Was it uncomfortable? Yes, it was. When we got down, the waves were so strong that the boat started rocking and I started to get sick. I was about to puke everything I had for lunch that day. And the guy said, jump out of the boat. And so I jumped out of the boat and started swimming. Oh, that helped. Was it uncomfortable? Yes, it was. Was it unusual? Yeah. Can you imagine a Hispanic up in the air 500 feet? That's unusual. But man, the things that we saw. We saw the beach. We saw the peninsula. Beautiful sight. We saw things that people who were standing on land could not see. The same as with the kingdom of God. If I don't react and make a decision of faith of saying, God, use me, I will never see what God has in store for me. I will never be a witness of Christ's work, unprecedented work that he desires to do through me. A year ago, right before COVID, I got a phone call from a young man. His name is Alan. He's from Honduras. This young man came to Christ through our ministry and also uh, was discipled through our ministry and was one of our students at our discipleship center that we started. Alan, um, for many years, had a passion for the language of French. And so his nickname was Fr Frenchy in Honduras. We called him Frenchy. But he learned the French language fluently. And then he began to pray, God, take me to France. I would love to minister in France. And so God took him to France. And there he met a French lady, her name is Rachel, and they've got two children, two sons. God began to place a burden on his heart for the countries in Africa, and you'll see some pictures of his ministry in the country of Chad. And so he called me up a year ago, and he said, David, I want you to come to our first camp here in Chad. We're going to have between 400 to 500 uh, students that, that are coming from the capital city. I want you to be our first speaker. He says, David, God is doing tremendous things here. The gospel needs to go out in this country. But then he said, David, I want you to be the first speaker at our camp because I never forget how every week during our camp seasons, for years, you would not only preach the word of God or teach the word of God, but you always finish that night with the phrase saying, I believe we can reach the world through Honduras. <laughs> and he says, I want you to come and I want you to witness what God desires to do in this country because the Spirit of God is leading us to do something for His glory. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. That's what God can do with any person. Alan, the only thing I saw him do was buy groceries for our camp events. <laughs> he would drive that van all over the city. But he was faithful with the small. And God has taken him to do great things for his glory. But that is the kingdom of God. As I am faithful in, in doing what God has called me to do with my neighbors and with my coworkers, with people that I see, people that God allows me to connect, God desires to use me for his glory and participate in, in this tremendous work that he has began. His desire is to use us. 
a book that God has used in my life that has been incredible is a book written by Nick Ripkin called The Insanity of Obedience. I recommend that book. It's interesting that he was speaking to a pastor from a third world country, and he asked him about the members of his church and the process that they used to recognize members. And the pastor responded and said, we don't count anybody as a true follower of Christ until they personally lead somebody to Christ. We do not count anybody as a true follower of Christ until they personally lead someone to Christ. When we do our partnership essential class, I don't think one of the questions we ask is, have you led somebody to Christ? That should be one of the questions. Because if I'm a follower of Christ, then it means that I should be active as Christ was. And as Christ desires me to be, so people can come to his feet. I wonder how many of us would be in this room. Jesus' active priority is for his followers to go under his authority. Listen, it has nothing to do with us. It's all with him. And this is what Jesus wanted to teach Peter. Peter, don't think that I'm going to use your capacity or your, your, your quality or, or, or what you can do with your hands. What I'm going to use is simply a heart of obedience. If you're willing to obey my voice, I will do great things through you. If you're not, you won't see everything I have planned. You see, God is sovereign. He can use anybody he wants, but he desires to use us. He desires to use you. And what God is telling us is, hey, the world is lost. They need to hear the gospel. What are we going to do? We begin with our neighborhoods. But then we think about the nations. Lastly, to finish. We see that Jesus' active priority is not only to draw multitudes or many to himself. And not only is it to see his followers go out, be launched out under his authority. But thirdly, Jesus' active priority is providing affirmation in our moments of fear. Provide affirmation in our moments of fear. Peter, as he saw this miracle, was amazed. You see, Jesus got on his boat, and he shook his life. He shook his heart. And so Peter, seeing this tremendous miracle, the only thing he knew what to do was to get on his knees and say, You are God. You are Lord. You are are the authority over everything, the physical and the spiritual. Peter got on his knees. It's interesting, it's, I think it was R.C. Sproul that said, when holiness displays itself, words aren't needed to explain it. Jesus didn't say a single word, but Peter knew who he was. Peter recognized, his eyes were open to understand that the, the creator of the universe was calling him out was saying, Peter, I want to use you. Doesn't matter where you come from. Your context does not matter. What matters is that I'm calling you. And the Lord looks at Peter and he says, Peter, get up. Get up. I don't want the recognition of who I am to paralyze you. No, to the contrary. I want that truth to mobilize you. That's what Jesus says. I want the truth of who I am, not to paralyze you, but to mobilize you. That's what we're called to do, to be mobilized, to move. And be it here in our neighborhoods or, or, or different nations, it doesn't matter. God desires to use us. And what he does, because he knows we're fearful, he affirms us. He affirms us. 
Listen, the, the, the word here, afraid, is where we get our, our word phobia from. As you well know, there are hundreds of phobias. There, there are people that fear flying, for example. People that fear the rain. People that fear men, flowers. There are people that fear their mother-in-laws. I mean, it's, there's fear everywhere. But Jesus tells us, don't be afraid. I believe there are two major fears that sadly paralyze people from being part of God's kingdom. Of seeing and witnessing God work in amazing ways. First of all, it's the fear of failure. We, we fear failing. We say, God, I don't have what, what you need. It's impossible that you're going to be able to use me. And so our, our, our fear of failure paralyzes us. And Jesus Christ this morning is telling us, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The second thing that also paralyzes us is the fear of the unknown. We say, what are we going to do? Because we're, we're, we're so accustomed to have everything organized. We want all the stars to align themselves and there say, okay, I'm ready, God. Use me. That's not going to happen. God doesn't work that way. God tells you to do something. He wants you to obey it. Then he'll show you what the next step is. But in your heart, you must obey. It's great as you read this gospel of Luke because this phrase, do not be afraid or fear not, is mentioned seven times in this gospel. Three of those times, angels say this phrase, but four times, Jesus Christ himself says, do not fear. Do not fear. And that's what he told Peter. He said, stop being fearful, Peter. Don't worry about it. I know you've recognized who I am, but I want you to be mobilized. I want you to be used by me. The times Jesus speak about, speaks about not being fearful, uh, we find in Luke chapter 8, verse 50, when Jairus' daughter dies, and the servants come up to Jairus and said, don't bother the master anymore because your daughter is dead. And Jesus listens and he looks at them and he says, do not fear, only believe and she will be well. I don't need to be afraid of death because Christ has promised to give life to all those who believe. That's why death should not scare me. It's interesting. He also speaks in Luke chapter 12, verse 7, from verse 4 to, to verse 7, we see that Jesus speaks and says, listen, don't be afraid of those who can harm your body, who can do damage to your body. Why? Well, verse 7 says, fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. We should not be afraid of persecution. This is what Jesus was establishing to his disciples. Because the most people can do is take your physical life. But God, as he takes care of the sparrow, will watch over those who preach the gospel faithfully. So it doesn't matter what they can do to your body. It doesn't matter what they can do through rejection or hatred. Why? Because God takes care of us. As he takes care of the sparrow, he will take care of those who are faithful in presenting this message that transformed people's lives. We don't hide it. We don't keep silent. We speak it. We communicate it. Because he is faithful. And because he has told us, don't be afraid. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus Christ as well states these words, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. Because God has given us the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom has birthed in our souls. Will he not provide everything we need? 
That's why if God is calling you out to go anywhere in the world, don't worry, he will provide. He will be there because the kingdom is in you. This is unbelievable. This should shake our core to know that God has given us what we need and he has promised to be there. And that's why he says, fear not, fear not. And then Jesus, looking at Peter, says, Peter, I'm going to change your profession. He says, don't be afraid. Don't, don't worry about it. Why? Because you will be a fisher of men. The idea there is Jesus saying in the Greek, you should be catching men. What Jesus was teaching Peter is, listen, Peter, I know you're accustomed to catching things that are alive and killing them, fish. But from this point on, you're going to catch things that are dead, men, and I will bring them to life. You're accustomed to catching things that were alive and killing them, fish. But now you will catch what is dead, and I will give it life. This is what God has called us to do, to fish for men. I love verse 11 because it says, as he heard these words, they dropped everything they had, they left their nets, and it says they followed him. I remember reading an article on the last interview that General Napoleon Bonaparte gave um, off the coast of France on an island. With all the questions the reporter gave him, one of the most important questions was, General who is the greatest leader this earth has ever seen? And it said that Napoleon got up from his seat immediately, without hesitation, and he said, Jesus Christ. <laughs> the reporter couldn't believe it. <laughs> I mean, he was talking to the great General Napoleon Bonaparte. I mean, he was, this man uh, conquered nations, cities. I mean, he led thousands of men, soldiers. And so this reporter asked him, why Jesus Christ? And he says, it's very easy. He said, Jesus Christ lived 1,800 years ago. Until today, Jesus Christ calls men, and men follow. Men follow. <laughs> this morning, as we wrap this time up, there are two different calls that we want to make this morning. As we think about our mission's focus, as we think about the nations, as we think about our neighborhoods as well, the first call that we make this morning is the call of salvation. I don't know if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're watching online, I don't know if you have the salvation that Jesus Christ offers. Our desire this morning is for you to know who he is and experience what he offers. He offers forgiveness of sins. He offers, offers security that does not depend on our circumstances or even ourselves. He offers peace. Peace that only he can give. The desire of Christ this morning is for him to be your king. For him to be your captain. And to allow you to see everything he has prepared for you. Come to him. The only thing you need to do is to trust in him. That's what the Bible teaches that's what he himself said, whoever trusts in me will have eternal life. So if you're here in the worship center or online, I ask you to make this decision. 
that tomorrow may be too late, but today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where Christ can be yours and you can be his. But the second call is the call of being sent out. And as we've talked all week and prayed, God has challenged all of us to see the importance of how God wants to use us. I believe that we can reach the nations through West Tavares Church. Amen? I believe that from these seats, God can raise up an army of people. We've got students, one student going to Poland next year. We've got another student going to Bosnia. But we want to see hundreds being mobilized. Listening to Christ's voice saying, I launch you out to the world. testimony here in your neighborhood at your workplace there's a guy here that's in this room that every Friday morning we pray together I visit him at his workplace and I look at him and I say God has you here so that all these people can listen about who Jesus is and what he offers that's why God has you here in the same way, God is calling all of us, not only to the nations, but also here. And if I say I'm a follower of Christ, may, may God, as my witness, see how the power of the gospel has gone out through me and touched the lives of others. Are you willing? Maybe God is telling you this morning to stop the excuses. Stop being fearful. Uh, trying to think about things through or making excuses, God is telling you, don't worry about them. Just be obedient to me. We hope to see God use this church even in a greater way as we go forward being launched out by Christ himself. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your words. And Lord, we thank you because you came up on our boat. Lord, you shook our lives so we may focus on you. Lord, I pray for people that maybe are sitting in this room or watching online that don't know who you are. They may know something of you, but they don't know you personally. May they come to you this morning. If you're listening this morning, I, I beg you this morning to come to Christ. May you just believe and say, Lord, you gave your life for me, I, I, by faith, desire for you to forgive my sins and give, give me eternal life. But also those who are listening that know Christ, that are followers of Christ, are you willing to be used by him? Many of you have been faithful in serving God and being used by God. But of course, we need to be challenged continuously so we can be part of things even greater than the ones we've already seen. But maybe you are stuck. Maybe you have been paralyzed by the lies of Satan himself, our own lies. But Jesus tells you this morning, fear not. Fear not, because the moment you met me, your profession changed. You're no longer an engineer. You're no longer an architect. You're no longer a doctor. You're no longer a teacher. You're not, no longer a 
programmer, you're no longer a construction worker. No, no, you, you're a fisher of men. Maybe it's time to say, Lord, forgive me. Today, I drop my nets. you to stand right where you are. If it's your desire to say, Lord, here, here I am. It could be here in my neighborhood, in my workplace. It may be to a different nation. It doesn't matter, Lord. I want to be obedient to you. If it's your desire this morning, I ask you to stand right where you are. If you're saying, Lord, here I am. I desire to be Anybody willing to stand? God bless you. Who else? Who else? thank you for being going to stand in this place. We pray for all of us, Lord, asking you to use us and allow us to see things that we've never seen before. That, Lord, you can use us, that the gospel may go out, Lord, that we can be a movement in our city. stand and worship together.